uh, for scripture today. Uh, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 1 through 9 and 13 through 15. <clears throat> It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And then down to verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Good morning. It's great to have you all here. Special welcome and blessing to uh, visitors this morning. Wonderful to have you share this time of worship together. Um, if this is your first time with us, uh, we want to uh, unfortunately let you know that we are not perfect. I know that may come as a shock, but uh, um, we are, uh, especially in coming through this series, reminded that we are all sinners in need of God's grace. And in need of being built up. And I want to just recap this whole series because this morning is the culmination of, of the whole Lent series. Uh, in which we talked about remembering that, uh, that in hope that God is, is faithful in keeping his promise. And so we have renewed hope that we are called to renewed worship because of what God has done. That we're called to a renewed devotion uh, to, to follow Christ. That we're called to a renewed focus in a world of, of confusion and a world of distractions. That we're called to, to truly keep our focus on the one that leads us. We're also, uh, in, in the April series, we've talked about the renewed commitment that we have. Sung Bin preached that Sunday. And talking about the humbleness, gentleness, and submission to the will of the Father. We talked about renewed grace. 
that we might receive grace and be forgiven. We talked about last Sunday, renewed life, that we are, are, are we willing to be transformed in a way that changes our identity, our perspective, our purpose in life. And today is a question of whether or not we're willing to be renewed for what purpose that renewal comes. It's a very difficult question because there would be many reasons that we could fill in the blank with. And I think if you were listening to any of the songs we've sung or any of the themes throughout the entire series that we've been in, you can pretty much fill in the blank. Uh, that it is that we are free to serve. And the one thing that keeps people hesitant to serve is sin, is brokenness. There was a, uh, a man was sitting at a stoplight one morning and uh, wondering if we can, is this from the pulpit mic or from the From the headset? Let's just turn the headset off. Um, there was a man sitting at a stoplight one morning. The lady in front of him was going through papers on the seat of her car, and when the light changed, and we can all identify with this, I, I think so. If we're, if we're really honest, we, get, we become annoyed drivers at other drivers who are more annoying than we are. That's a fair way to say it. This lady was messing with papers on her seat and the light changed and she didn't go. And he was, she was just completely ignored the fact that it, she had a green light. And pretty soon it turned yellow and then red. And she's still sitting there. And the guy was behind, that was behind her was going crazy over this. And he was yelling and screaming and he was, he was uh, hitting his steering wheel he was ranting and raving. I don't know what he said. It was probably a good thing that nobody could hear him. But he was in his car. And, um, and so um, he, and he was kind of screaming at, at the lady too. And uh, his expressions of disgust at this lady were interrupted only by a policeman who tapped on his window with his gun drawn. And... Um, and against all of the protests where the guy was saying, you can't arrest me for hollering in my car. You can't do that. The officer ordered him into the back seat of his squad car. After two hours in a holding cell, the arresting officer advised him he was now free to go. And he said, I knew you couldn't arrest me for what I, for what I was yelling in my own car. You haven't heard the last of this. The officer replied, I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. He said, I was directly behind you at the light. I saw you screaming and beating your steering wheel. And I said to myself, what a jerk. But there is nothing I can do to him for throwing a fit in his own car. Then I noticed that there was a cross hanging from your rearview mirror. 
the bright yellow Choose Life license plate cover, and the Jesus is Coming Soon bumper sticker. And I thought, well, there's no way you didn't steal this car. <laughs> now, when the world looks at us, and when we act in ways that Christ's work for us on the cross didn't make any difference. We were given grace, but we're not willing to give grace to other people. What message does that give? Isn't it just the opposite of the message of Christ that through his blood and through what he did on the cross, it makes us free and gives us a freedom. And it should be clear in our behavior, in our patience, in our willingness to suffer, in our humility. It should be clear that we are called to live out our, in our lives the forgiveness of Christ in the same way that Christ lived it out for us. And I think that is the key message for us. When we look at this passage in Galatians 5, we can ask, well, what, what is the main message of this passage? It's really a summary of everything Paul wanted the Galatians to understand, what he had been trying to teach them when he was with, with them. Christ had liberated us to be free. Now, I, I want to just name this. I won't spend a lot of time with it, but... When you talk about freedom today, I would guess if we polled everybody here, there would be all kinds of answers to that question of freedom. We hear that phrase referred to in regards to the Constitution, in regards to our rights, in regards to laws that we like or don't like or think makes sense or don't make sense. We think about freedom to say, you can't tell me what to do. That's kind of the, the, the playground version of, I am the master of my own soul. I am the one who decides, you can't tell me what to do. I am the one in charge of that. And that whole idea of saying, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And there is truth in that. But we also then are the ones who complain the most when we end up getting the consequences of that. And here is the whole story of the Old Testament and the whole story uh, that comes to, to bear in this confrontation with the Galatian church. You had a group of missionaries that came to the Galatian church and were teaching absolute adherence to the circumcision and to all of the specific laws uh, the, of, the, of the Jewish people. And in essence, on the one hand, Paul says, look, you can take your freedom from all of that legalism and requirements 
and then just transfer it over to something else. So whether, and that's why Paul says, whether it's circumcision or uncircumcision, you're missing the point. It's not the issue. The issue is whether or not you are serving Christ. And, and that's, that's the defining thing about the whole purpose of grace was to restore us from the brokenness of sin and to restore us to what God is really calling us to do. And like this person that was, had his car filled with Jesus signs and symbols, those symbols don't mean a whole lot when you undermine it by the behavior that goes with it. And, and, and it destroys the testimony for all. We should be lamenting and praying for the, the brokenness of so many major Christian leaders in the last few years who have fallen, who have basically attained such a high level of success as Christian leaders and then are part of the reason that young people say, what's the point? When in fact, even the greatest leaders are basically using their freedom and their privilege and their money to just indulge in sin. And so that argument is a pretty good argument. Uh, and it, there is a reason for us to be in prayer as a church for, for wholeness and for a consistency of a witness to go forth in a way in which the symbols that we have on our car or anywhere else, the things that we claim in the faith, the, the, the testimonies that we offer for Christ, it means something because we're willing to back it up with our life. We're willing to commit to it. We're willing to not just receive the grace of forgiveness. We're willing to commit ourselves to, to purity, which is just such a countercultural message today. Everything about the culture we live in is, is saying, you can't talk that way anymore. It's what everybody wants to choose, and it's all okay. And think about it this way. If you can eliminate sin, then Christ died for nothing. And it changes the whole mission of the church. It changes the mission of the church to pointing people toward living as Christ lived. It just simply points people to saying, hey, there's a lot of good books out there. Good luck reading them. Maybe you'll get some truths that apply, maybe not very hit and miss, and you will continue to see the, the violence increase. You will continue to see the depression increase. You will continue to see the brokenness, the chaos, and the world falling apart because there is not only no order, but there is no right and wrong anymore, and there is no place for grace and for love and purity. And that, that is what we are called to do. I'm not asking this in terms of, uh, of any specific issue. 
but as a church, we need to be praying for the witness of the church to rise up and have purity and have clarity to what our mission is and, and just want to keep applauding the work of the men's groups, the women's Bible studies, uh, the, 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 the service opportunities we have Wednesday evening, the, the, the missional opportunities that are out there, support for church planting, support for missionaries in other lands and missionaries here at home, support for projects that put a face on Christ to those who have not heard or have not accepted that says, it's real, we're here, we don't want a dime, we're paying for everything, we just want to help because we feel that we are called to serve. And that's, that's our calling. Now, this problem that the Galatians had, as I mentioned, was this message in which they were teaching people that certain parts of the Jewish law had to be met in order to be saved. In particular, these missionaries taught that Christian men had to accept the Jewish rite of circumcision. And, and Paul was writing to, to them uh, because he was deeply concerned that they were straying from the Lord following teachings of people who were perverting the gospel, as he said. In Acts 15.1, it says, some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers Unless you are circumcised according to the exact custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And Paul is taking this on and saying, no, you're missing the whole point. And I, I want to just say here, here's something that, um, that we tend to do. This is a human tendency. We tend to take our convictions and turn them into our own laws. And we're saying, oh, well, if you believe this or you believe that way, or if you support this or you support that, then I have nothing to do with you because, because I, I'm restricting everything about that. There may be some, and there are, clearly are, some, some points of, of count, being counter to biblical truth that need to be named. At the same time, when we just set up our own pharisaical law, we'll call it that, our own law, and we chisel it in stone, and unless you are exactly that, you are missing the point because you will never serve somebody that doesn't adhere to your 10 commandments or your 12 or your 20 or your 30, whatever they are. You will never serve those people if you believe that the call to serve Christ is only based on whether or not people agree with you. It never says that in scripture. Nowhere does it say that. That the whole point that Christ came was to call us to be people of integrity, to be people of purity, to be people who rejoice in the fact that we are as broken as everybody else. That's why I introduced it and welcome to those that are new. And as a reminder to those of us that are not new to say, Let's never fall into that trap of thinking that somehow we are a step above. Yeah. Tell that to 
my neighbor when I didn't see him coming up to me and I'm yelling something because I just dropped a 200-pound tree on my foot. It may have not been the nicest thing that I've ever said. I'll leave it at that. If every one of us were honest, we would have those moments. And even if we didn't say it, we were thinking it. Come on, I know. You, you may smile, but you know it's true. We have those things. We're all in need of the forgiveness of sin and the brokenness that's there for all of us. That's why we are a body of Christ together. The only way we can be together is because of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Not because we all agree on the same law. And so when we, when we get past that and say, regardless, those things will work themselves out. But for now, what we do know is we can, we can be committed to, to being one in service, one in love, one in centering our life around Christ, his teaching, and God's word. And, if we, and, and that becomes our foundation. And, and we will spend the rest of our lives growing and changing our perspectives. Um, Hailu, our dear brother from Ethiopia that's at the seminary, was pointing out to me a, a situation where, uh, where someone uh, at, at a seminary wrote a book. Uh, I can't remember the exact title, but something about the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, something to that effect. And it cost him his job. He was kicked out of the seminary he was teaching in because, no, we don't do the Holy Spirit. That was what the seminary was essentially saying. Like, you know, that's, that's overboard. That's too. Yeah, well, there's a cost sometimes. But the reality is that we are called to name and we're called to be clear about it without, without forgetting that we are all dependent upon God's grace. I don't know if you've seen the commercial. So I just loved it a few years ago. Uh, forgive me if, I'm, if I've said this before from the pulpit, but I, I don't really care because I think it's worthy. There was a few years ago, what, what is that, that national dog show that they do every year? Uh, it's the, the best of the best, right? And they, they take their dogs and they parade them around and, uh, and the dogs are so proper and... And they do that a little trot. And I never, never loved it so much as the year that an English bulldog won the grand champion prize. I was, I was like, yes, I wanted to scrunch his little face. <laughs> um, but you've seen the commercial recently. I actually think it's a TurboTax commercial. I'm not certain. Where they're at, they've set it up as it's that dog, same dog show. And the woman is going around the, 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 the one that it will decide the, the champions and is looking and pondering and she looks and she looks and she goes, free? 
free, free. And everybody erupts and goes crazy over this. Um, the point that TurboTax is a genius at doing is pointing out that their product is free. Now, they make money off of it somehow. You know that. I don't know how it is, but they make money somehow. But, but that whole commercial setup is, is talking about being free and free and free and free. Some of you know the other commercials are related to that whole thing. Um, where basically, uh, that, come on, you're just plagiarizing Christ. That's what Christ was saying. I died for you. Be free. Turn to me. Yes. Acknowledge your sin. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Right, right at the foot of the cross. But, and then recognize and accept the fact that my grace is sufficient for you. And it's free. And you don't deserve it. You, you don't you didn't earn it, but it is free for us. And that's what Paul wants them to get back on track. He wants the Galatian church to take a stand on the clarity of the fact that don't just put your own new law in its place. Start with the law of God's grace, which the entire law is designed to help you to be able to... Stand firm in what you believe. In Ezekiel 36, it says, A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and I will make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. The cost Christ paid for us. And now, out of our joy and out of the grace offered to us, we desire nothing more than to be faithful in following Christ's law. And it is a law of the heart. And we're called to stand firm. And so we stand firm in our freedom by keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and what he's given us in his life, his death, his resurrection. And this takes discipline. Isn't it interesting how discipline is both the word for being punished or corrected, sometimes rebuked. It's also the word that is same word that is used to be trained and equipped and empowered and supported and encouraged into the faithfulness of following Christ. And that sense of discipline is the path of freedom for us. Living free, we will intentionally cultivate and nourish our relationship with Christ. And we will practice the disciplines of prayer, meditation, Bible study, fellowship, worship, and service. I certainly hope that those of you that come on Wednesday are not seeing that as your one point of service for the year. Every day is a day of potential service. 
And I think we need to pray more often every single morning, Lord, help me to see the opportunities that you've given me today, that you're going to give to me today, and to take advantage of those. Martin Luther said, the Christian is Lord of all, subject to none. And the Christian is servant of all, subject to all. We no longer keep the letter of the law in an attempt to be justified. Instead, we keep the spirit of the law in order to share the blessings and grace and love that we have received. So, you know what the call I'm talking about is if you've taken your car into a shop, you wait for that call, and you know what it is. That call is your car's finished, you can pick it up whenever. whenever. You wait for that call. At Calvary, Jesus' three words declared the believer's great independence from Satan and sin. It is finished. The work of, a, uh, of, of a victory over sin and death has been done. It's finished. It's done. And that work is ours. So much of what we are about as believers in implementing God's grace in acts of service is much like our cars. There are times that we need realignment because if we don't realign it, and I, 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 this drove me nuts for about six, eight months last year. Every time I would be driving down the road, I kept feeling like I was steering over there in order to go straight. You ever feel that? Like the, the car just keeps to, wanting to, to take me over to, to the side of the road and into the ditch. That is a great analogy to sin. Something's broken. Something's not aligned right. Something in my life needs a new alignment. And, and that means that, that I need to correct that and have that repaired. Secondly, we sometimes need to replace parts. When things are broken down, they're not working in our life, we sometimes need to go and, and have a little more of an extensive work done where some part is not replaced, where my attitudes or my, my approach to things is, is getting in the way of my witness and my message, like the guy in the car with all of the symbols. And it, it needs to be replaced. Uh, Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's a replacement understanding. A third thing similar to our car is to simply repair parts. There are times that we are broken. We're wounded by the brokenness of being hurt by other people, and we are not going to forgive. And so we're willing to point out to people how they aren't in alignment with Scripture. But within our hearts, we're not willing to let them off the hook. As if somehow we could hold them on the hook anyway. We're called to 
repair those things that are broken and not working. And sometimes, sometimes uh, we need a new heart. Again, in Ezekiel, it says, a new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take out the body from your body, the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. That's a, that's a complete overhaul. And so sometimes there needs to be a full restoration, a rebuilding, if you will. Scripture talks about that as being reborn. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered the one who asked him a question. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so there is this call to be reborn entirely. So we see this. And in the Luke passage, Jesus says, when he got up in front of the, of the other Jewish leaders, he picks out, he takes the, the scroll and he reads from the prophet Isaiah these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. People are out there waiting for us right now to have proclaimed over them the year of the Lord's favor by even the simplest act of kindness that we have. Freedom, you fill in the blank, but I would say we are clearly instructed that the forgiveness of sin is, gives us the freedom to truly serve. One of the most touching uh, moments in sports came at the end of the 1980 Winter Olympics in which the U.S. hockey team beat the, beat the Russians. Many of you may remember that. You may not remember this part of it. It was an incredible feat. All during the games, the cameras focused on goalie Jim Craig, who was the, one of the heroes of the team and was, had an amazing run of, of keeping goals from going in the net and stopping the, the opponents. And um, he, uh, his father was in the stands. His mother, Craig's mother, had recently died. And he and his father had grown closer to each other through that grief. When the U.S. team won the victory, you could see pandemonium on the ice. They were running and screaming and yelling, and hugging each other. And if you look at the replays of it, you isolate on Jim Craig. And Jim Craig isn't going after his teammates. He's looking around the stands. And he's skating back and forth across. And he's looking for, he's looking for his dad. And he finds him. And you could read his lips all that while saying, where's my dad? Where's my dad? It was the happiest moment of his life. And he would celebrate it with his teammates. But first, he wanted to be with the one who meant the most to him the one who had contributed the most to his life. 
I remember that moment. I remember watching, even with my own tears, at Jim Craig and his father embracing. Have you embraced God? If you told God how much you love him, how much you appreciate what he's done for you, have you expressed your, to your heavenly father your appreciation for the freedom that you have, the freedom from sin, the freedom from an aimless life, the freedom from death, and the freedom to live in love and the freedom to serve? If not, I encourage you to take that step and turn everything over to the Lord. And if you need help or want to talk to somebody about that, we're here. And we'll be glad to talk with you about that immediately after the service. I want to invite the team to come up. They're going to be sharing, a, leading us in a song. I hope that we can stand and lift our voices very clearly to the affirmation of the fact that we are children of God.